Chapter 13 of Among the Great Masters of the Drama This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Wes Freeman Mademoiselle Mars The Finest Comic Actress in Existence John Howard Payne, 1824 among the many great parts associated with the genius of Mademoiselle Mars is that of Betty in Alexandre Duval's La Jeunesse de Henri Sonck. It was at the Comédie Française that she created Betty in June 1806, and during the same month the piece was played before the Emperor, then resting between Austerlitz and Jena at St. Cloud. Duval's comedy originally bore the name of Charles Deux, it has for its subject one of the adventures of that merry monarch, but the censor, dreading possible political allusions, Charles being a restored monarch, objected and caused its title to be changed to La Jeunesse de Henri Sanc. This connection of the play with the king who died two hundred years before Charles was born, in view of the fact that no other alteration was made, of course resulted in some absurd anachronisms, as, for instance, retaining the part of Rochester, Charles's boon companion. In 1823, John Howard Payne, aided by Washington Irving, made an adaptation of Duval's piece, restoring its original title, and brought it out in London the following year, with Charles Kimball in the character of Charles II, Fawcett as Captain Cop, and Maria Tree as Mary Cop. Mary Cop, the Betty of the original, is in Payne's comedy the niece of an old sea captain who keeps a tavern in Wapping whither Charles and Rochester repair for a frolic. Rochester, however, has promised Lady Clara, in return for her hand in marriage, to reform his wild ways, and also to use his influence with the king to induce him to follow suit. The enterprise succeeds, and the play ends with Mary's betrothal to Edward, one of the king's pages, who has wooed her in the guise of a music master. Charles II, which was produced at Covent Garden, made a great success. Not long after the time when Mademoiselle Mars acted Betty before Napoleon, a couple of comedies, written expressly for the occasion, with music by Spontini, were to be performed at Malmaison in honor of the fate day of the Empress Josephine. The distinguished amateurs to whom the various parts were entrusted included the Princess Pauline and Caroline Bonaparte, the wives of Marshals Ney and Junot, and Junot himself. Madame Junot, in her memoirs, acknowledges the aid she received on this occasion from Mademoiselle Mars. My part, she says, was in the piece of Monsieur de Longchamp, which was by far the prettiest. My dramatic skill was at best but indifferent, and this character quite unsuited to it. I was quite certain of failing in my performance, a circumstance probably very desirable to others, but quite the reverse to myself. I therefore requested Mademoiselle Mars if she had a few minutes to spare, would have the goodness to hear me rehearse, and by the more than urbanity with which she complied, rehearsing with me unweariedly every morning during the fortnight that elapsed before the appointed fate, I had an opportunity, of which I perhaps stupidly availed myself far more effectually than of her lessons, of admiring the play of her pliant and charming features, her expressive smile conveying some idea while it disclosed her pearly teeth, and those beaming eyes which, in accordance with the smile, revealed the coming sentiment before it could find utterance. Hearing her thus in a private room, 
divested of all that delusive attraction which the lights, the public plaudits, the whole witchery of the scene cast around an actress on the stage, I mentally exclaimed, This is the greatest actress in the world. She is pursuing her natural vocation. Here is no appearance of acting. It must therefore be the perfection of the art. From that moment I became a declared and enthusiastic admirer of Mademoiselle Mars, and considered it a real public misfortune that she refused to receive pupils. In these interviews I had equal reason to appreciate the tone of her conversation, her excellent judgment, and her good taste. I found in Mademoiselle Mars everything that could constitute a woman formed to shine and please in the very best society. Fanny Kimball paid the following tribute to Mademoiselle Mars, to my great regret and loss, I saw Mademoiselle Mars only in two parts, when, in the autumn of her beauty and powers, she played a short engagement in London. The grace, the charm, the loveliness which she retained far into middle age were, even in their decline, enough to justify all that her admirers said of her early, incomparable fascination. Her figure had grown large and her face become round and lost their fine outline and proportion but the exquisite taste of her dress and graceful dignity of her deportment and sweet radiance of her expressive countenance were still indescribably charming, and the voice, unrivaled in its fresh, melodious brilliancy, and the pure and perfect enunciation were unimpaired and sounded like the clear liquid utterance of a young girl of sixteen. Her Selimen and her Elmir I never had the good fortune to see, but can imagine from her performance of the heroine in Casimir de Lavigne's capital play of Le Col de Villars, have deserved her unrivaled reputation in those parts. Dr. Gounod de Moussy, who knew her very well and used to see her very frequently in her later years of retirement from the stage, told me that he had often heard her read, among other things, the whole play of Le Tartuffe, and that the coarse flippancy of the honest-hearted Dorine and the stupid stolidity of the dupe Orcon, and the vulgar, gross, sensual hypocrisy of the Tartuffe, with the same incomparable truth and effect as her own famous part of the heroine of the piece, Elmire. On one of the very last occasions of her appearing before her own Parisian audience, when she had passed the limit at which it was possible for a woman of her advanced age to assume the appearance of youth, the part she was playing requiring that she should exclaim, Je suis jeune! Je suis jolie. A loud solitary hiss protested against the assertion with bitter significance. After an instant's consternation, which held both the actors and audience silent, she added, with the exquisite grace and dignity which survived the youth and beauty to which she could no longer even pretend, Je suis Mademoiselle Mars. And the whole house broke out in acclamations and rang with the applause due to what the incomparable artiste still was in the memory of all that she had been. As a final testimony to the merits of this exquisite comedienne, I quote from Madame Junot's memoirs an interesting anecdote which brings together the great queen of French tragedy, Hippolyte Clairon, and Mademoiselle Mars. I saw her occasionally. She was fond of me, but Talma and Mademoiselle Mars caused perpetual disputes between us. I was angry, because as she did not see their performance, she could not appreciate all the talent of these two beings endowed from above with dramatic genius. Talma might be criticized, but Mademoiselle Mars was even then a diamond of the first water, without spot or defect. At length I was one day much surprised 
to find my old friend quite softened toward my favorite actress, and never could attribute the sudden change to any other cause than her having seen Mademoiselle Mars in one of her characters. She did not admit it, but I am almost certain of the fact. I had spoken so much of her that it was scarcely possible she should not wish to see her to judge for herself. In The Pupil, Mademoiselle Mars, in the simple action of letting fall a nosegay, unveils at once the secret of a young heart. This fact, so striking to the feelings, is at the same time one which could not be described, and yet Mademoiselle Clairon spoke to me of this action as if she had seen it. Nor do I think that she would have imbibed from any other source opinions sufficiently strong to overcome her prejudices, though I know that an old Monsieur Antoine, a friend of Lucien, gave her frequent accounts of all that passed at the Comédie Française. I have, however, no doubt that she had been carried thither herself in a sedan chair, and had seen and admired our charming actress. End of chapter 13